So, Sonic the Hedgehog 2 came out and is doing ridiculously well, which makes me crazy happy for the character that shaped my childhood, Tails. Yeah, I was always a Tails fan, and I still really am. So, when I learned Tails would be featuring in the film, I was ecstatic. And then we learned that Idris Elba was going to be bringing together another huge Sonic mainstay, Knuckles the Echidna. This movie was destined to be one of my favorites of the year, no matter how dodgy the writing might be. One of the best parts of these series of movies is how true to the source material they seem to be staying. Video game movies are notorious for making random and unprecedented changes needlessly to the franchise to differentiate themselves. Like, I don't know, maybe Master Chief, like, charging into battle without his helmet on or something? No one would do that, right? Given that, this movie was going to, for sure, follow Knuckles being the initial antagonist of the film. He was just going to be manipulated by Dr. Robotnik, as he always is, whether it's the show, the games, or even Sonic 3. Knuckles is always kind of a doofus that ends up getting tricked, and while I'd love to claim my own intellect as superior, odds are I'm pretty used to getting tricked myself, and maybe you are too. In this video, we're going to take a look at how Knuckles always gets duped, and what we can do as Christians to stop it from happening to us. Let's talk about it. Folks, welcome to Checkpoint Church, where nerds, geeks, and gamers come together to talk about faith, games, and I thought Idris Elba said he wasn't going to make Knuckles sexy. <laughs> the man can't help it. I am your nerd pastor, Nate, and if you like these weekly deep dives, be sure to sub, hit that bell, and find out when the next one drops. Folks, as always, we're going to be starting today with our scripture. Our scripture for today comes from the epistle of 2 Timothy, chapter 3, verses 10 through 17. I'm going to be reading from the NRSV. That's my preferred translation. It's what's going to be on the screen. If you have a translation that you prefer, feel free to use that one instead. Now you have observed my teaching, my conduct, my aim in life, my faith, my patience, my love, my steadfastness, my persecutions, and my sufferings, the things that happened to me in Antioch, Iconium, and Lystra. What persecutions I endured, yet the Lord rescued me from all of them. Indeed, all who want to live a godly life in Christ Jesus will be persecuted. But wicked people and impostors will go from bad to worse, deceiving others and being deceived. But as for you, Continue in what you've learned and firmly believed, knowing from whom you learned it, and how from childhood you have known the sacred writings that are able to instruct you for salvation through faith in Christ Jesus. All scripture is inspired by God and is useful for teaching, for reproof, for correction, and for training in righteousness, so that everyone who belongs to God may be proficient, equipped for every good work. So, if you're going to break my heart and make me explain the story of Sonic the Hedgehog, then I guess I'll just have to do it. But it hurts me. You should know who Sonic is. For this video, what ultimately matters is the story of Sonic the Hedgehog 3 for the Sega Genesis. We've had two games up until this point where we get to know the sarcastic and way past cool blue blur Sonic the Hedgehog. He has quickly platformed his way into our hearts, and we've taken down the evil Dr. Robotnik on our own, and then with the help of our little buddy Tails. And then Sonic 3 comes in and changes everything. Suddenly, there's a new kid on the block, a bright red and toughest Nails echidna. Wait, what? What is an echidna? Uh, okay, so it, it looks like it's just a hedgehog, but spicy. In Sonic 2, we got a friend in Tails, but in Sonic 3, we got our first real rival. We didn't know for sure whether or not Knuckles was going to be a bad guy, but he was definitely not on our side. After some time, we learned that Knuckles and his fellow echidnas, echidna, echidnites are all tasked with the duty to protect the Master Emerald. Robotnik manages to convince Knuckles that Sonic is after the Emerald and thus must be stopped at all costs. Eventually, Knuckles learns that it is in fact Robotnik who is after the Master Emerald and ends up teaming up with Sonic by the end of the story in order to fight the treacherous lies of the Eggman Robotnik. Which is mostly the same story in the comics and the anime whenever Knuckles gets introduced, and it sure looks like it's going to be the same story presented in the new Sonic the Hedgehog 2 movie. So what's up with that? Why is Knuckles the one that keeps getting bamboozled by the deceitful Dr. Robotnik? Well, 
The truth of Knuckles that really gets hammered down by the Sonic Adventure and Archie Comics series are that Knuckles is kind of like a warrior priest. Knuckles has this loyalty to protect the Master Emerald that is downright reverent and almost religious in nature. Whenever it comes to protecting the Emerald, Knuckles has a tendency to get on a one-track mind. He's only interested in doing the exact thing that he feels he has to do, and that's protect the Emerald. He gets so hyper-focused on that one thing alone, he stops paying attention to other aspects of the situation, no longer concerned about how that decision might not add up or make sense or the consequences. He only wants to do that one thing protecting that emerald. Sonic Boom and the later series kind of make Knuckles out to be kind of an unfair knucklehead, but the truth is that he doesn't think with his fists instead of his brain. He thinks with his culture. His decision-making process isn't one that should feel all too unfamiliar from our Christian walk. One of our comments on our Can Christians Watch Anime video makes this point pretty abundantly clear. The commenter says the Bible says that we cannot watch anime and that it isn't a subjective matter, as I argue in the video. But of course, the Bible doesn't say that. Anime didn't exist when Jesus was teaching. It's a subjective interpretation of a biblical passage on behalf of the commenter. We all interpret through the culture that we've been brought up in, but that doesn't make our decisions or our results correct. Sometimes we end up siding with Dr. Robotnik. So let's take that energy and take a look at our scripture for today. Our passage for today comes from what is very likely the final epistle or letter from Paul. It was written while he was imprisoned in Rome and is likely only a short matter of time before he'll be tried by the court and then beheaded. So Paul's in a bit of a dark place. Much of this letter reads like a last will and testament. It's very much a loving, caring letter filled with advice and encouragement from Paul to his pupil, Timothy. The passage we selected in particular is encouragement for Timothy to be very discerning of the uprising of false prophets and teachers in the early church. This isn't necessarily meant to be read by every person of every time period. This piece is pretty specifically written for Timothy as he wrestles with the early church. But still, it's worth taking a look at for how this living word might apply to us today. In order to really double down on the idea of how best to steer clear of false prophets, Paul advises to Timothy that in order to keep from being deceived, he ought to stand strong in what he's learned, utilize the holy scriptures that have been around since his childhood, read them with the faith in Jesus, and you'll make it off scot-free. Then we get one of the most frustrating verses in all of scripture, for all scripture is inspired by God. And then most people just stop there with the God breathe part, but the verse doesn't stop there for a reason. Paul continues, all scripture is inspired by God and is useful for teaching, for reproof, for correction, and for training in righteousness, so that everyone who belongs to God may be proficient, equipped for every good work. Okay, that is a lot of information. First, we have to acknowledge that this is incredibly important to Paul. Remember, this is his deathbed letter. He is pretty sure this is going to be his last. This is the culmination of a lifetime of ministry. Let's not treat this as some kind of trite phrase at the end of the Apostle Paul's last will and testament. Bible says that I believe that that settles it. I think we can all agree that Paul deserves a bit more interpretation than just some truism. Paul presents Timothy with a very compelling train of thought. There's a lot to say, but before we get there, some things to understand. First, the Bible didn't exist as we know it today. So when Paul is referring to scripture, he's referring to a wealth of knowledge in the Jewish culture and then the writings of the early church, some of which make up our canonized Bible today, some doesn't. What about the Gentiles who weren't raised on sacred writings from childhood as Timothy was? That's why I say this scripture is pretty specific to him. And then we need to ask the question, when should we use scriptures for what purpose? Can they only be used for reproof, correction, and training? Or is there more to them than that or some better than others? 
others. We need some kind of lens with which to interpret our everyday life to learn how to live a life that is more Christ-like. As with much of the United Methodist tradition, I am extremely thankful for the practice of interpreting the Bible that we've been instructed with through the teachings of the Methodist founder, John Wesley. In fact, you can likely go up to any UMC pastor and ask them what I'm about to teach you about, and they will know exactly what you're talking about. Ask a seminarian, they may even give you a thousand yard stare. When it comes to applying theological understanding to your daily life, we try to view theological concerns through the lens of this thing called the Wesleyan quadrilateral. Who would have thought I'd be talking about this during a video on Sonic? What a wild life I lead, huh? The quadrilateral is called that because it has four aspects. Sometimes you'll see it drawn as a square with four equal parts, but seminarians prefer to look at it through more the lens of like a stool with one top being supported by three legs. I might describe it more like a kaleidoscope, but that's pretty inside baseball. Ask me about it if you want to some other time. The four components of the quadrilateral are scripture, tradition, experience, and reason, with scripture being the top of the stool and most predominant. Whenever we do any kind of theological wrestling, we would look at it through these four different but connected considerations. For example, let's ask ourselves a question. Should Checkpoint Church, the church for nerds, geeks, and gamers, exist? Well, a scripture I might point to is the Great Commission. Go, therefore, make disciples of all nations. Jesus commanded it in scripture that we should make disciples of all nations. Well, my tradition as a United Methodist encourages the act of church planting and allows for me to have assets and support from a connected network of churches in the form of a conference here in North Carolina. My experience as a nerd is that nerds haven't been welcomed into the church by our true selves. So we need a new church in order to do that. So nerds are not currently being included in that great commission, and that is a failure of the existing church. So I can reason that when Jesus says, go to all nations, then... We should be going to all nations. And Twitch maybe should count as a nation worth evangelizing. If not Twitch, then at least I can reason that nerds are loved by Jesus and are worthy of being made into disciples. Bing, bang, boom. Yes, a church for nerds, geeks, and gamers should exist. Now, obviously, this process is shortened and maybe made a bit shallow in order to fit into being a short video like this one. But the point here is that Paul is presenting a very similar practice behind the process of living a Christ-like life. Scripture is God-breathed and vital. In the UMC, we use the word infallible. The Word of God is incapable of being wrong, but it isn't inerrant. It can be interpreted and applied in wrong ways by false teachers and prophets. Because of this, it is my obligation as a pastor and our obligation as interpreters of the Word to read and interpret the Bible to the very best of our ability as we apply it to our lives. Paul tells Timothy to use what Paul has taught him. That's experience. Timothy has essentially apprenticed for Paul. That is his lived experience. He then tells Timothy to use the sacred writings of his youth. Well, that's not actually scripture. It's tradition. Use what you've been taught to consider these things. It may or may not be right, but it's one of the four things we bring to the table. And finally, Paul makes an appeal to Timothy to know who taught him all of this stuff. You ain't learning from no broke, Timothy. Timothy can use reason to determine that Paul is teaching as one of the greatest apostles. Now, none of these things are enough on their own. None of these things should be considered without that God-breathed scripture. It's a dance, a balance, a work that we're called to do. To only consume and then regurgitate is not enough. We have to consider reason, evaluate our tradition, and take our experience into account. Then we back all of that with the infallible scripture that we've been given. It can't just be one. Because when it is, we become easy to manipulate. 
That's what happened to Knuckles. For kicks and giggles, let's use the echidnan quadrilateral. If the scripture is to protect the emerald, then Knuckles should also consider that according to reason, this guy does not look trustworthy. According to tradition, echidnas have been more than capable of protecting the emerald without any outside help for a long time, so Robotnik shouldn't be needed. And according to experience, well, I guess we don't actually, like, we don't have that one. We'd have to ask Knuckles for that one since we don't really know his experience. And that's the echidnan quadrilateral proving that Knuckles should not trust Robotnik. Now, was that heresy? Was that heresy? Did I do it again? Oh, dang it. Silly jokes aside, what can we learn from this that will help us out today? What can we learn from Wesley Paul and Knuckles the Echidna? Now that is a unique sentence you'll only hear at Checkpoint. If nothing else, I hope that this might have been the first time some of you have heard of the Wesleyan quadrilateral. As boring as it sounds, it is a seriously helpful measure of interpretation. Some aspects of it are more difficult to parse out than others, but having a framework to work within makes things so much easier easier. And at the end of the day, let's also just be thankful that we aren't living in a world where Robotniks are trying to trick us constantly or where we're rotting in a Roman prison cell waiting for our beheading. The least we can do is think before we speak and allow for the words of the Bible and the actions of our lives to have a little thought put behind them. And if you like this kind of thinking, this is the kind of stuff that I'm doing 24-7 here at Checkpoint Church. I use this quadrilateral to write our goofy sermons every single week. How else could you possibly find anything worth saying about Knuckles the Echidna or Demon Slayer? God is in these things, and we can dive deep into them and discover what God is doing through these nerdy shows and video games together. So... Whether you're an echidna, a hedgehog, or my favorite two-tailed boy, know that you're always welcome at Checkpoint Church. But do make sure to bring in an extra chili dog for my favorite blue blur whenever you come and join. Folks, thank you so much for watching these videos. I so appreciate you taking time out of your day each week to be a part of these and to watch these nerdy deep dives into some of my favorite things. If you want more of what we're doing at Checkpoint Church, we're streaming every single Monday, Tuesday, and Wednesday over on Twitch. Or if you want more of this community right here, right now, you can join our Discord. Discord, we're on there 24-7 asking questions and nerding out and, and geeking out about all that good stuff. I'll link both of those down in the description down below. Hey, quick question for you. What is your favorite entry into the Sonic universe? I think Sonic Adventure 2 Battle will forever be my favorite thing of all time. Either that or the 1996 OVA. Those are like neck and neck for me. With that, we're going to end this video as we always do with our three things that we believe are true about every single one of you out there, regardless of whether or not you believe in God, whether you go to church, don't go to church, like church, don't like church, enjoyed this video, didn't enjoy this video, none of those things change these three things that we believe to be true about every single person watching this at any point in time. Number one, we believe that God loves you, like really, really loves you. Number two, we love you. We want community with you. That's what we're doing here on YouTube and Twitch and Discord. And number three, we believe that you, yes, you matter. You are a person of sacred worth. The world is a better place. Why? Because you are in it. Folks, with that, until the next time that I see you, I hope that you are well, and I look forward to seeing you next week, same time, same place, or sooner over on our Twitch or Discord right now. Until then, bye-bye! Monty, this isn't what I wanted, okay, buddy? Ah! He's a wolf! He's a wolf! He's a wolf! You're right, he's a wolf! He's a wolf, you're absolutely right about the wolf thing. You're absolutely right about the wolf thing. You're absolutely right about the wolf thing. He's a wolf. He is a wolf indeed. This is a wolf. That was a wolf. There's another wolf man. Two wolf men. Two wolf men. That's a wolf. That's a wolf as well. Two wolves. Wolf, wolf, wolf. Goodness. Okay.